Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Podcast, episode number 361. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Weekly Geek, bringing the top geek stories to the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out January 24th, 2018. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of our uh, favorite things that happened in 2017 with our favorite comics, movies, and whatever else we decided we want to talk about in our annual 2017 look back. Hey, I have to say one of my favorite things in 2018 is happening right now. Well, that's, you're going to have to talk about that in a year. Sorry. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> if you hear a little road noise, that's right. We're all together, all on the road. Uh, we're down visiting Chris here in Orlando, Florida, and we're driving over to Tampa to uh, get some beer on. Yeah, we're going to go to a couple breweries. We might check in. Ooh, we can do beer reviews from the breweries. Oh, we can check in. Yeah, yeah. thing on tap. We'll do, we'll do that as a thing. We could do that. Yeah. We, we started off drinking last night, though, when we got in. We went over to uh, a couple places, uh, one of them being Dead Blizzard Brewery in our, right in Orlando. In Orlando. Right? Yeah. Like five minutes away from my apartment. Uh, it's a smaller brewery. They don't bottle anything yet. They just basically tap it, or they have a tap room, and then they send kegs out to local places. Uh, they just celebrated their one-year anniversary like two months ago, so they're still pretty fresh. Uh, but we had a beer there. I had their Komodo Dragon chocolate sour, which I really like. 8.5%. It's tasty. I enjoy it. Uh, I had the roasted pistachio nut brown, and it was delicious. Uh, really nice, <clears throat> really nice nut brown. Good roastiness, um, a little bit of a chocolatiness. Uh, it was very enjoyable. I would go back for another. Yeah. I had probably the weakest of the batch, and that was the key lime, and I'm not sure it was uh, it's in a sour. key lime cream sick ale. Oh, cream sick ale. Yeah, and it's a cream ale. I always, this is probably the fifth time I've said it on the show. I always want to order a cream ale and actually really enjoy it, and I never do. I just guess I'm not a fan of cream ales. It was, it had a nice uh, key lime flavor to it. Very limey. But it made me miss uh, Westboro's, the guys with the claw. I thought you were talking about the Westboro Baptist Church, and I was no. like, wow, no, they're not No, the they're brewery. Nice. So, yeah. Is it Westboro? Yeah. I think, yeah. And they have a key lime sour, and that is so much better. It's just got, it's, you know, more full flavor. Like, after the key lime hit from the uh, cream sack kale, uh, it's kind of, like, loses everything else, though. It kind of goes out on you. Uh, over the summer... In 2017, uh, Genesee Brewery put out a orange cream, an orange honey cream, and that actually kind of delivered on being a good drinkable cream ale with that nice citrusy flavor. Mm. Yeah, I missed out on that. Yeah, because it was from Genesee, and you were like, oh, "I'm not going to drink anything." From I think Genesee. I got it. For, I got it from uh, Saranac had one out, and I think I picked that up in a mixed pack, and I wasn't that big of a fan of it. Because apparently I'm not a fan, but I am a fan of the news. Yeah, we got some, uh, definitely have some news coming out um, for uh, just recently. I think uh, the big thing is the big boy in blue, Superman, uh, Action Comics 1000, being taken over by uh, Brian Michael Michael Bendis. Yeah, we finally found out what he's going to be doing now that he's no longer a Marvel exclusive and he's jumped ship to DC. Um, this is something that will be on my pull list. I'll definitely pick it up. Just because I want to see Bendis handle something in the DC Universe. Not because I'm, like, a big Superman fan. I think it's cool that it's, you know, issue number 1000. Like, we don't have anything else that's up to that level yet, uh, publishing-wise. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see him on another character besides Superman first, but, you know, take what I can get. And it's going to be really weird that Jimmy Olsen's now this really gritty news reporter that's sticking his nose in to other people's business and finding out that the blind lawyer, you know, is actually Superman, Daredevil. Because <laughs> I'm just saying that he's probably going to write all the characters exactly like he's been writing every character. Yeah, that that, I think that's unfair. It might be. Uh, yeah, but I, that's my expectation going in. I think, like, uh, definitely with reading his... Um, his Spider-Man with uh, Miles Morales, like he definitely captures a good voice with those characters, and uh, even when the X-Men book, he captured the voice of Cyclops and Magneto and those characters. I thought he did a pretty good job with that. And I'm not the biggest Michael ben- Brian Michael Bendis fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely did a sad sack Cyclops. Yes, Cyclops is always kind of sad sack now. Uh, but also something, John, you just told us before we started recording, announced that Dan Slott leaving Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Which I think is huge because he's been on that book for like the last 14 years, whatever. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long damn run for him, but... Uh, With the double shipping, too, it's like a lot of comic books. A lot of issues. And also the th- thrice weekly, or thrice a month thing that they did. The not weekly amazing. Oh, that was series. that was still like years ago though. Yeah. But yeah, that wasn't all of him. That was like yeah. Mark Wave doing one, him one. Mm-hmm. Can't remember what else. Yeah, I don't know. He's uh, definitely been the Spider-Man writer. Uh, all the events, everything going on. It's been it's been his vision for Peter Parker, and I think he's definitely done a great job on it. I think anyone who comes on to Spider-Man is going to have some big shoes to fill. Yeah. I agree. We didn't have anything else for the news, did we? I thought there was movie news, but maybe I'm just uh, wrong. Black, it is announced that oh. Black Widow will be getting a motion picture. Um, what it'll be, if it's going to be flashback, more of her as a spy, what? I mean, it's all up in the air. Is this a movie we need, though? I don't know. I like her more as like that player in the universe, I think. Kind of like the Hulk. I don't need to see another Hulk movie because the Hulk stuff that I get... That, that's enough for me. Right. I don't know. I mean, not saying that she can't support a movie, but I I don't feel the need the need for one. Yeah, but each one has been a team up movie, so it might not be a standalone. You know, Black Widow. It might be Black Widow with somebody. Teamed up. Happy, okay with you that. Know? And I love her and maybe her and Bucky doing espionage kind of stuff. Yeah, that'd be okay. That'd be fun. I enjoyed her in uh, Captain America: Civil War. Not Civil War, the uh, one before Winter uh, Soldier. Winter Soldier, like them hanging out, uh, being on the run together. You know, I love that stuff. Yeah. What did the directions have to say? I got to stay on. Yeah, we're just gonna stay on. <laughs> no, I know. I just thought it was funny that uh, it probably picked up on the way. It did. Yeah, we'll be we'll be going for a while. And but that'll take us over into the list. Wow. Ooh, these are the comic books we're looking forward to coming out when, John? January twenty fourth, two thousand. 18. And the book that I'm looking forward to, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, it's just something that I've gotten roped into buying now because we've talked about the last two issues. You roped yourself into buying it and we're making yeah. you stick to it. Uh, but we, this is, John. This is DC I'm Comics Doomsday Clock number three, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. I, I like number two a little bit more than number one because now we're seeing more of the DC universe in it. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I need it. So, number three, 
That's the deciding factor. I don't know if I can do all 12 issues of this series. <laughs> it's like when they put bacon in something, and you're like, you know, it's there. Do I really need it in it, though? Yes. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Yes. You bought that moon pie. I did buy that moon pie. It was good, but I didn't really need that bacon there. It's good enough without well, it. Well, what book do you need? Oh, the book that week. I'm uh, excited to see is... Uh, Batgirl, and unfortunately I'm driving, so I don't have my phone in front of me, so I'm not sure which number it is, but it starts in New York about a blizzard that has befallen Gotham City, and Barbara Gordon's investigating whether or not it's a man-made blizzard or just a natural occurrence, but, you know, looting's happening and all that, and I always like when uh, Gotham City comes under, like, a natural or maybe not natural crisis, cataclysm, the gang wars, so a blizzard seems, uh, Seems bad for Poe. I think I'd like it. Johnny? Uh, I'm doing something I haven't done in a while, and that's getting a new number one Whoa. from Dark Horse Top Comics. Whoa. Motorcycle. Cycle bicycle. And this is going to be Vinegar Teeth number one. This is a... Uh, <laughs> Vinegar Teeth. Okay. Vinegar Teeth. This uh, book is about a kind of a grizzled sheriff who uh, might be a huge dick but actually does a good job as town sheriff who has to team up with a tentacle alien to save the citizens of his his city from an invasion. Tentacle alien so not Cthulhu. Uh, so it's not a horror book. It's a sci-fi book? Yes. And yes? And yes. So. Uh, the premise sounded fun. I kind of like the look of the art. We'll see where this goes. But, uh, 2018 is going to be the year of John picking new number ones that suck. Ah. Oh. So same as every other year. We're going back hey, to 2015. 2017. I really shied away from it. But we might be uh, back on track. All right. Well, that brings us to our next beer, guys. What else did we drink last night? Anything really good? Anything that knocked it out of the park? Uh, yeah, we were over at 1010 Brewery, and I had, uh, the Winter White, which was a white IPA. Winter Winter Sun. Sun. Winter Sun, which was a white IPA. Uh, it was enjoyable. Nice, light, refreshing. Um, I had citrus, like, crisp to it all, like, that one. If it, it was probably in the, the mid-60s when we drank it. I can imagine if it was 75... 80, it would have been um, super crushable, super refreshing. But in the the atmosphere that I was having it, it was good, enjoyable. It didn't um, knock my socks off, but I did like it a lot. Yeah, I had the the have a cow with their milk stout, which I really enjoyed that a lot. Just, just great milky sweetness. Yeah, definitely had that. It was very good. And I had the Citra SIPA. Or sip, Sippa? Citra Sippa? Citra. Like Citra Hop. I know, Citra, but S-I-P-A, so I'm guessing that might be, you would say just Sippa. Citra, Citra Sippa. Because I don't know what, uh... Because it wasn't the Imperial. It was only like 7%. Uh, and it was, it had a nice Citrus Hop flavor to it, but it wasn't that... I'm so spoiled now, John. Gosh darn it. With you bringing home all these crushable... Like big juice bombs. Oh, I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry, I deliver great I, beer uh, to you. Well, yeah. Well, you ruined me for all their beer. I've been ruined. I, was gonna I, see I can't just have a pale ale anymore. I'm like, what is this? There's no haze to this. Where's my particles of hops? 
I was gonna see if you guys wanted to stop off at Hollywood Studios and do Star Tours before we start drinking, but it has a 50 minute wait right now, so never mind. Nah, that sounds like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Star Tours is always a good idea, but a 50 minute wait sounds like a bad idea. So that brings us into what? Our dramatic reading? No, no, we're, we just did the list, yeah. Dramatic reading time, guys. And now, a dramatic reading from Redneck number one, page seven, panel one. Where are they going? Tater joint. And that was a dramatic reading of Redneck's number one, page seven, panel one. Redneck, vinegar teeth, summer teeth, some are here, some are there. What are summer teeth? John's, John's bad at buying books, we know this. Yeah. Summer teeth is when you're missing teeth, and you say you have summer teeth, some are here in my mouth, some are there. In the garbage? No. Summer teeth. That's dumb. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Well, you know what's not dumb? The stuff that we liked in 2017. Uh, well, you guys will probably say the stuff I like was pretty dumb anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, where do we want? Are we a comic book podcast? We're a comic book podcast. I think every year we, we say that. Yeah. So we should start off with the comic books. Uh, figured we do top three. So start off with our number three favorite book of the year. Paul, do you want to go first? Uh, no, because I do not have a top one, two, or three. Because, man, I hit a bunch of books. Like, I read basically the ones that we read for the show. And that's about it. Like, nothing's really hit me to drive to, like, oh, I got to pick it up every week. Like, Archie. That's not necessarily something that you pick up every week, though. It could just be a book that. And Wonder Woman, I pick up. And I'm like, okay, I'll read it sometime. And then I haven't. You know, it's like I have no, no affinity for any book that's really coming out enough to really want to, you know, it's there's no top of the stack for me this whole year. And I kept on hoping there would be, but nothing's really dragged me in. The best book that I probably, number three best book that I probably read, though, even though I didn't enjoy the read, was The Visions. Uh-huh. And I don't think it came out in 2017. No, it, it came out but normally it, like 2015 and 2016, but that actually might be on my list because we didn't really... Delve into it until 2017. So to keep the you know the show format going, I'm going to go with the visions. It was a good. It was a heartbreaking story, a heartbreaking look at a at the Pinocchio problem of a guy in the Frankenstein monster program for a problem of what it means to be human, and you know a lot of times to be human is to have a family and to, you know and all the stuff that comes with it, and then the rest of the world kind of taking that apart and, and coming after, you know, especially when you're a superhero, of super human things happening around the family and uh, what lengths you would go to to keep what you have built. And it was it was well done. I think Tom King has really stepped up and uh, has become the top writer, and we'll probably talk about that later. But uh, I, I think it's been Tom King's year, 2017! Uh, I guess I will go next because John hit me in the shoulder with the microphone. Uh, for being my number three book, it's kind of like you were saying, Paul. It's not something that's really like, top of the stack. It's kind of an old go-to that I've rediscovered uh, my love for. And I'm going to say this is actually two books because they kind of work back-to-back. But Green Lanterns and Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is really 
capturing what it made me feel as a Green Lantern fan when we were in the Green Lantern heyday at the beginning of the Bag Broadcast, where they're bringing all these new characters, like the different cores have kind of like been peppered throughout both of these series. Uh, and I just, I care about Green Lantern again. Uh, there was a time where I had really dropped off and I wasn't even picking up Green Lantern anymore, uh, which felt weird for me being such a Green Lantern fan. But no, I think they're doing a great job in this little corner of the DC universe again. And I hope it continues on. I'd love to have Green Lantern be like that top tier book for me again. And I think it's definitely on the way. Yeah, it, it, it is definitely a great read. Uh, my number three is going to be Hellboy and the BPRD 1954, uh, written by Mike Manola and Chris Robinson. And um, every little story arc has a different artist on it. But this is just telling fun Hellboy stories. That's the draw to it. Um, nothing's really overarching. Some of his villains that he's fought in the past are here, but they're just fun paranormal stories where Hellboy hits something. And they've been delivering on that love of Hellboy that I've had that I haven't gotten stuff from them for years with. Um, aside from Hellboy in Hell that just recently came out, which I never finished reading, but these are, you can just pick them up and read them whenever. You know, you can leave them in your stack, grab them. They're always kind of a fun, good read. Uh, the Christmas one that they did was fun. Uh, and it's just a really nice, enjoyable book. I can't I can't go wrong with it at all. You can't fault it. So, John, we're snaking around. Snaking around? Yep. Back to me. Back to you. Uh, my number, number two, two, I've only gotten three issues, but uh, it's the... Don't you dare fucking say Doomsday Club. <laughs> he hasn't picked up number three yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, this is going to be Captain America with Mark Wade and Chris Sobney. Oh, it's fun. It, the book looks amazing. And it's one of those books that it's the first thing I want to read. When it comes out, I'm buying it, and I want to read it right away. And I think that's kind of one of the things about your favorite books is you can't not want to read it. And this makes me want to read it every time it comes out. I haven't read uh, two or three yet, so I look forward to that. They're good. Um, my number two is actually going to be a character that I've been a fan of for a long time, and he's got his own solo book again, guys, and this is Nightwing. Uh, for a long time, he was uh, just Grayson, as Dick Grayson as the agent of Spiral. Dick's back in Bloodhaven now, he's Nightwing again, and he's doing all kinds of Nightwingy things. Uh, which means, you know, mentoring a group of <clears throat> lost souls who uh, just happen to be, like, Z-tier villains. Uh, he's taking them under his wing, trying to get them back on the track, live, live their best lives, as you will. Uh, we've had Blockbuster come back. Whoa. Um, character Raptor's been kind of coming in and going out, like a cyclical villain, almost like we had with Tarantula before in the original, like, the Devin Grayson stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that feeling. I like yeah. having him with his own bads in his own city. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to that. actually sounds really good. Uh, uh, let me know what art to start on with that, and maybe I'll actually try to get caught up, because that sounds great. I will. Uh, my number two, I'm, I'm going to make it a personal choice, because I know John's number one, what it's going to be, so I'm going to let him talk about, I think, what the best book has been, artistically. But my, my favorite book line has been uh, the Archie Horror series. From uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which 
I was surprised you guys liked as much because it was so wordy and I was kind of like just nervous the whole time I was reading it. Uh, the Jughead hunger books that we got and then, you know, the back in the day it started with uh, Archie, after life with Archie. But anytime I see a book come out in that line, that horror line, I'm now going to pick up and just give it a try. Uh, Franco, Franco Vella doing the art. Uh, and they just pick the right like it wasn't Frank Avella on uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but they picked the right artist, writer team on those books to really deliver a creepy, you know, just comic book story. And they've been a lot of fun. I don't really have an affinity for the Archie characters, but they're so blank slate, but you know their archetype so well just by being an American and being in the pop culture, the zeitgeist, that it just works throw them in and I just really like those books and I'm glad that we read them in 2017 I don't, so know, Chris, who goes, I don't know who's next you're first because you're first start first at all you're number one okay uh, my number one and this is a book that Paul mentioned before but this is going to be Tom King's The Vision uh, I was not wowed by this book when we first read it in 2015 as part of our monthly look back but after hearing great things about it last year, uh, I was winning tons of awards in the, uh, the comic book world. I sought to pick it up for one of our monthly trade policies, and I absolutely love this book. Uh, and I think it's something that actually opened us up to a broader spectrum of books then. Because Tom King's been around for a while, and like we've seen him on other stuff, whether it was like Batman or Detective Comics. Uh, but now to have him like handling these kind of like weird, quirky characters... I'd much rather see him do that than handle Batman. Um, everyone's got a Batman story in him. I don't know if everyone has, like, a kick-ass vision story in him. And I think Tom King is someone that actually probably does have any character you throw at him. He can, he can tell a cool story with him. Uh, I agree, and that's why my number one is Mr. Miracle by Tom King and um, I don't have the artist name in front of me I'm Mitch, uh, Mitch Gerards thank you I'm getting a little car sick from reading uh, so I'm not going to do that as much but uh, yeah I, this book um, I've always enjoyed Mr. Miracle and Big Barda and this is a great story with them uh, I think the art really fits the book when I first saw it I didn't, I didn't think I was going to like it but I couldn't picture this book with a different artist on it. Uh, the pacing that they do with the panel to panel and just how they write, I just really love everything about this book. And uh, that's why it's my number one. Uh, and I was picking this as the number one book of the year too. It might not be a personal favorite, but the artistry on it, the craftsmanship of it, I think it's done really well. Uh, the panel pacing, it's a nine panel comic. It is per page. It's, there's nine panels, like almost every page you go to, and it's that, and it's being told with this overarching narrator, you know, bringing you in, bringing you out. So it's it's going for an old. I feel it's going for an old time vibe, but the subject matter that it's it's uh, chasing, you know, it it's it's that juxtaposition there where it's a very modern story, and I uh, had to text my wife two different pages of the book because I'm like, this is the stuff that my wife and I talk about all the time. Not the outcome of that conversation, but, you know, just keeping clutter down in the house uh, while they're, you know, breaking into uh, Go Beat Up Orion. It's a fun book. It's 
it has its moments of just pure dark, you know, kind of uh, dark mature themes that bring me down and make me really sad uh, when I'm reading it. But then when they're just doing the escape stuff, it's a lot of fun. So if it didn't have that balance, if it didn't strike that right tone between both of those things, then I probably would hate this book and hate John for making me read it. But he is right. It is a really good book with great visuals on it. Uh, told, told in a very simple way, but the story is, you know, kind of confusing about what's actually happening. It leaves happening. you second-guessing. Everything. Like, even, you know, the, whether or not he's there, you know, it, it's just really well done. Like, everything's... It keeps me on my toes. I don't know what's going to happen as I turn the page. And it's... That's, that's a mark of a great book, I think. Yeah. Not always enjoying it, but it's good. So, what's next? What is next? Well, do we want to do movies and then do writers and artists? Our favorite, maybe just uh, one writer, one artist? Or, I don't know if I would have a three. I wouldn't have three. I probably wouldn't have three. I think, <clears throat> I already said who my top pick for writing is. It's Tom King. Uh, yeah, mine as well. Uh, yeah. and, it's, and that is tying in with vision. Um, I think I needed that vision book to appreciate Mr. Miracle. Because I didn't appreciate vision until Chris kind of explained what his vision was for the book. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my god, I get it. It's brilliant. Uh, no, this is a great book. It's the outer limits for the vision. Yeah. Um, and that's going into Mr. Miracle. I needed that this is not just going to be a straight story. This has got more depth to it. And that's something that I'm um, really digging with Tom King. Like, he's bringing a whole new a whole new um, style that uh, I, I feel like the industry has been lacking for the last couple years um, and now I I'm kind of have this new appreciation for Tom King because of it yeah, it's, it's, it's making me want to go back and find his other stuff like maybe read his detective comics because he's the one that's doing the he was doing the Joker versus the Riddler right yeah a yeah, uh, joke of War of Jokes and Riddles, was it? Yeah, yep. something like yeah. that. So it makes me interested in picking up more of his work. So, uh, And, and I can, I've been telling you guys to pick up right before Jokes and Riddles starts. He wrote a Batman and Swamp Thing where the two of them are trying to hunt down the man who killed uh, Alec uh, Holland's father. And it is a really good book. So good. Just a one-shot? Yeah. That sounds great. Chris, do you have a uh, writer? Oh, no. I, I, I was definitely agreeing with uh, Tom King. I was trying to find the name of the artist that I was going to pick. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think for my artist, um, I always forget how much I love this book, but it's Chris Omni. Uh, I love his art, and, man, when I saw his Captain America stuff, I just fell in love with his art all over again, and I think... <laughs> It's there's it's nothing different than what he always do, does, but when I see it, I always just go, man, that is so good. And uh, yeah, Chris Omni is going to be my favorite artist of the year. Paul, uh, I don't know. Okay, uh, <laughs> I have no favorite artist. I'm sorry. I would be you know doing more research as we record, but I'm driving. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, for mine, I'm going to head over to the Marvel side of things, and I'm going to go with Marco Cicchetto, who's done a lot of work on the Star Wars books. Mm. Um, He's a great artist. He can really capture the likenesses of the Star Wars characters that you've seen, like, 
for decades now. Like, you know what Luke should look like. You know what Leia should look like. He's able to hit those, like, facial features so well, but without them coming off looking, like, too posed or light box, which is something that a lot of people struggle with. Even when we did the Star Wars Storms of Crate, Last Jedi thing. That was awful. What are you talking about? The art was pretty awful. No, the, the art wasn't bad. It was just, you could tell, like, oh, yes, this is Leia from this scene in the movie. Like, because you can... Yeah, but the way they superimposed it, it on the regular-looking comic bodies, it did make it look awful. I would agree it looked bad. The lightboxing part of it, yeah. yes, yeah. made it was awful. Where, yeah. Chris is right, um, that guy can just draw it so... It just looks... I mean, he just drew it to look like them, and it worked. He wasn't, you know, and light even boxing the face. If you want to go back further from, like, 2015, when he was doing the Obi-Wan and Anakin book, there's not a lot of photo reference for those two characters, at like Ewan McGregor and mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen, in those roles. Like, so he was able to just, hey, this is what these guys look like. Okay, I'm going to draw the fuck out of them, and you're welcome. So, that's why he's my pick. I look forward to uh, seeing more from him. Get into movies, then? Movie time. Movie Movie time. time. Chris, what is your number three? Uh, This was a rough year for me, just with working two jobs. I didn't really get to see as many movies as I wanted to. Um, So, I mostly just saw the big budget stuff that like I I had to see, you know. Hey, welcome to the Paul they, Camp. They take away my nerd card if I don't. And even then there was still some stuff that I didn't get a chance to check out. Like I wanted to see Coco, I wanted to see Cars nice. 3. Um I haven't had the chance to do those yet. But uh, my number 3, I'm going to go with Thor Ragnarok. Uh it's my favorite of the Thor movies. I think it's like the best thing Thor's been in. It's a lot of fun and it's definitely one that I'm looking forward to watching multiple times now. Thor Dark World was playing on the plane and I just I just couldn't with that movie. Yeah, I, I, I watched like two seconds of it too and I was like, nope, can't do it. So it, it is a really good Thor movie but that is a pretty low bar too, as well. I mean, it's a, it's a low bar but for, you know, the third one in the series to finally hit that stride and, you know, we, we've been saying for a while, it's like, yeah, it hit those Guardians of the Galaxy notes and yeah. that's that's what Thor needed. He needed to be larger than life, but have like weird, quirky situations that he's in to make him stand out more against it. Uh, and this will be my number two, so I'll speak about it now. Uh, yeah, this is the movie that halfway through the movie, I went, I can't wait to see this again. And I think that's, I haven't had that since Guardians of the Galaxy where I was in the middle of the theater and I was like, man, this is I can't wait to see it again. And um, even back to, like, uh, The Avengers, I think, was the only other Marvel movie to do that to, for me. But it was um, such a fun, great-looking movie uh, that, yeah, I, I loved it. So, my number two. It, it was hard. I couldn't tell if I wanted to put it at number three or number two, and my number two is pretty much the same reasons. But, Paul, your number three? Was Guardians of the Galaxy this year? Volume 2 was, yes. yes. Volume 2, that's my number 3. Because <laughs> uh, that was, I had probably the most fun watching that movie. Uh, just from scene to scene to scene. It just, it has all, it just has fun moments throughout. Where I went out and I got it on DVD. And I think I've seen it at least four times now in this year. And I'm, so I'm kind of surprised that it did come out this year. It was early though, right, March? 
Uh, uh, the May, right? Wasn't it the May it, movie? Yeah, it was the May one. No, it was the May. No, because yeah, it was in Buffalo. We saw it together. Yeah, we saw yeah. it together. So I was surprised that it came out that early. It's already on Netflix. It's and I put it on just that opening scene with Groot, which isn't actually the opening scene. And I always forget that. I'm like, dude, where's Groot? Oh right, we gotta watch his mom driving around, talking about you know being a bartender. No, um, um, Guardians almost made my list, but I I opted to put Thor in that spot instead, just okay. because like they they both have that same kind of feeling to it. We had already had that with Guardians. Yeah. Like, so spoilers here, Thor didn't make my list. That's okay. Because I would put Thor, but Guardians came out, and it I think it delivered on all the fun notes more so for me than Thor did. And for me, it was just going into Guardians expecting to be like, yeah, I'm going to love this because the first Guardians was great. So and I also love the Gamera and uh, Nebula fighting. The sister fighting, it, it was so much fun. Uh, my number three is going to be Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, probably uh, one of the better horror movies or horror genre movies um, to have come out in a long time. Uh, it has fun. It is excellently made. Um, it looks great. All the actors do a fantastic job. There's uh, twists in it that you didn't expect. And um, it just really, really works. And uh, I liked it a lot. It's kind of a throwback to those 70s and early order, early 80s horror movies. And uh, I think it's probably up there as one of the better movies to come out in a long time. See, I keep on hearing it as like either a horror movie, but uh, that's not quite right. I hear it's also a uh, psycholo- like a psychological, psychological thriller. thriller suspense. More so than a horror movie. Yeah, I think it kind of bridges that line. It bridges that or line. Blurs that line. Yeah, bridges that gap. Yeah, something. Yeah, get out. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, but you guys heard my number two, which is Thor Ragnarok, piggybacking on Chris's. Uh, Paul, what's your number two? Probably the movie that has seen even more than uh, than Guardians of the Galaxy this year. Because it's also on Netflix now, and I also bought it on DVD as soon as it came out. And saw it in the movie theaters, I think, twice. That's Beauty and the Beast. Oh. oh. Uh, that would uh, probably be my honorable mention for this year. I, uh, Kate and I wanted to see it. We went to see it at Regal Cinema. You know, paid full price to go see it when it first came out. Because we're big fans of that. Like, we grew up with that one. That's right in the wheelhouse for our Disney movies, animated movies. It was one of our favorites growing up. Um... And then when it came out with Emma Watson and just Lumiere uh, from uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor! <laughs> and then, and Cogsworth being, uh, you know... Uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. I was going to say... Uh, Gandalf. Gandalf. It's so that's, good. That's my Gandalf. It's also it's also part, like, Robin Williams doing more, but yes. Oh, he, uh, just to say, uh, tag team on some news... Uh, he came out to say that he wants to play Gandalf in the Amazon series for. Oh uh, really? The, the, uh, you know, Lord I would I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, circling back, the Beauty and the Beast was a great movie. I, I think they proved that they can do the live action adaptation of the animated films and have it work well. Cinderella, I didn't care for, but I'm not a Cinderella guy like that. I, I, I was saw, never a fan of that one. You know? I saw this live-action Cinderella. It was on like on TBS or one of those stations, mm-hmm. and they were playing it back to back be, uh, in front of when they they just got the rights to play uh, Melissa Vincent. Yeah. So I saw those two like right in a row, and I'm like, 
oh my god, Beauty and the Beast is so much better yeah, than both even these like, movies. Maleficent was the next one where it's like, yeah, that was a good movie, but I don't feel the need to watch that again. But like you said, I've watched Beauty and the Beast probably about like four times now that's on it's on Netflix. I saw it twice in the theaters too. So yeah. And I got, watched it as soon as it came in on DVD, and I think I put it on like two or three times on Netflix. So, and even that one song, they... That actually song grows on me. No, I does. actually find myself humming it every once in a while. The first now. time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't take him singing about how lonely he is. And that, now I'm just like, yeah, that's a good song. No, you fed from you. Listen, like, they did a great job of like hitting those notes and paying homage uh-huh. to the original animated one while still infusing new life into it. I think the Gaston song in the pub is even better than the animated series. I yeah. think they improved upon it with the, you know, the dance like routine. It's a... You're driving, Paul. Hands on the wheel. With a clapping uh, and the stomping and uh, the sword fight. But my number two is actually going to be another Marvel movie. And this bumped uh, Thor down because this is Spider-Man Homecoming. This is my favorite Spider-Man movie. I... It hits so many great notes especially Michael Keaton as the Vulture is fantastic and especially like when he's giving them the ride to the dance and and he turns on that menacing and you just want Pete to shut up and then you got Liz just like talking like oh my gosh like that scene gave me anxiety but it's so great and so well done I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man I can't wait for for more that's my tagline for everything that I'm picking like I want more I agree Spider-Man was a great movie um I, lo- I loved it as well. Um, it would probably be my number four. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think Tom Holland delivers. Guy, he just does a great job as that character. Yeah, even, like, from what we saw in Civil War, like, even before he was Spider-Man during the, the airport scene, just when he's Peter Parker mm-hmm. talking to Tony Stark, that sold it for me. I was like, yeah, this kid's, he's got it. Well, they finally nailed uh, the why Peter quips, you know, while he's being Spider-Man, it's because that's just how he deals with ner- his yeah, own like nerves. Nervous energy. His nervous energy. Yeah, exactly. He's talking, when he's talking to anybody, he's like, he over-talks. That's just who he is. I understand that. I get that. I suffered from that a little bit. So, I, I really enjoyed it. It would probably be my number five. I did feel it was the best Spider-Man movie, but then again, it's like not saying that much uh, since, you know, one and two. The first ones, but those weren't even that great. But I don't know. I think you guys hyped it a little too much for me. So when I finally watched it, I'm like, no, this is this is all really good. It's all really good, but it didn't excel because it, it did still feel like an origin, you know, just a retelling of a superhero origin but story. But you didn't see Uncle Ben die. Yeah, that's true. We don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> it's good. Oh, it's Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul, your number one. My number one is going to be uh, the Last Jedi. It's the movie uh, that I keep on thinking about. My, my, mine as well. I keep like I've downloaded podcast after podcast like of people talking about it just because I want to have those conversations like constantly. Yeah, and every other day there's like a new like interview with Ryan Johnson. And it was like, well, what do you think about you know all the hubbub about this because you know you didn't do this? And he's like, oh, like. There wasn't space for it in the movie. Like, it yeah. wouldn't fit in. Like, Oh, with the Knights of Ren? Yeah. Like, I'll, pretty much anything. Like, even, like, with them not talking about where Snow came from. Like, and because the way he pointed it is like, hey, you know, who's Snoke to Ray? Like, she doesn't want to know his story. He's just a threat at that point in time. 
and that's basically what the emperor was before too like yeah. the emperor is just this overarching threat and when you saw him you know he meant business yeah you didn't know where he really came from nor did i really care yeah and cool thing too that i never even knew until i heard it on a podcast was they never actually name him palpatine in the movies at all like yeah, it's no. something that came from the novelization that star wars nerds were then like oh yeah his name is palpatine because that's what star wars nerds do yeah yeah we i think that's been the one problem with the last jedi isn't the movie itself it's that we haven't had the 30 to 40 years to digest the movie yeah. and have everything else come around it the scaffolding to come around it to build to kind of hold up all those little weak the perceived weak points of the story but man i like it it wears all its references there is no subtlety to this movie i said before i think i don't know if i said it on the podcast but i know i said it to john like you you know exactly where it's coming from with the old samurai movies because there's Luke being the re- disgruntled teacher, this wanted being alone, and then that fight scene with the what what did we call him the the pump the Praetorian uh, guard oh Praetorian guard Praetorian yeah. guard and, and this movie kept on like tant- tantalizing me with oh maybe maybe they are going to team up maybe it will be. Kylo and Rey hanging out together, forging their own new path. No longer Jedi, no longer dark side. Just, you know, people that are seeking balance in the Force. In, in themselves. They're, they're going to be their own thing, and it's going to be great. And then they're fighting together, and I'm like, yes! This is it! I want this from now on! And then they take it away. <laughs> no, that's like... This is my number one, because, like you said, I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it and then saw it again. And this is going to be the movie that I circle back for decades to come, much like I have with every other Star Wars movie. And yeah, I'm always going to love, you know, my uh, Marvel and my Disney animated stuff. But yeah, Star Wars is basically forever for me. Uh, This movie made me shell-shocked when I walked out of it. Like, it took me a while to really grasp the movie. Because I walked out like I was in shock. Like, oh my gosh, everything that happened in this movie. And to me, it made made me think like this is how people must have felt when they walked out of empire just uh you know (laughs) han solo's in carbonite luke lost his hand darth vader's his father like what and it never like watching them i probably watched the movies out of order so i already knew all of that when going in to watch it and this is the first time like a star wars movie has really like shocked me and like oh my gosh this is insane what is going on and it took me it took me like uh, evening to digest the movie to be like oh my gosh that was that was great and if we had the internet back then people would be like George didn't do anything to set up that Vader was uh, Luke's father there was no setup for it out at all it just came out it's like now a thing like there was nothing in the first movie you would think you would think you would have known you know yeah. all that kind of BS but you know we've had 30 years plus yeah, 40. <laughs> yeah, 40 now. Right, to celebrate its 40th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, um, there are the movies that I didn't get a chance to see that I do want to, like, get back to. I think I, if we saw Blade Runner, we'd probably all agree Blade Runner would be on our top three because it's supposed to be amazing. And it's on the top of, like, just about everybody's list for best movie of 2017. Sure, it wouldn't bore me. I don't know. It's supposed to be, ama- it's supposed to be great. I know, but that first Blade Runner movie... Like I like the I like the book a lot better, you know. I just that that movie just bores me. Uh, but my number one movie, 
uh, is Bahubali the Conclusion. This is the sequel to Bahubali the Beginning. Uh, this is a Bollywood epic fantasy movie. After watching these movies, I talked to everybody for weeks about them at work. I interrupted somebody's meal when they were talking about action movies. They were sitting at a table next to me at lunch, and I went, you need to see Bahubali. And then describe scenes to them, and they're like, thanks, weird guy, leave us alone. But even when I think about Bahubali, it brings a smile to my face, and it is the most out-of-control, action-scened, epic movie ever. And I love it. I can't wait to uh, watch it again. And uh, I think everybody should watch it. Left or right up there. Am I going straight? John, you're the beer guy. Uh, I'm bring the beer us, guy? Yeah, bring us into uh So talking about our, uh, our favorite beers, we're going to do our top three favorite beers of the year. Uh, and I am going to do from Other Half Brewery, their Double Dry Hopped Double Citra Dream Imperial Oat Cream IPA. Uh, this beer, like most New England, they just kind of have a, a wow factor to them. And this beer was just like a crazy party in my mouth and everyone was invited. And um, I think some of it has to do with its uh, limited releases and you mm -hmm. have to either know somebody who knows somebody who went there. And uh, I happen to know somebody. And they brought me back this beer and it was delicious. Um, I think uh, Paul and I have had many talks about the New England beers that, you know, Yes, they're all really good, but they aren't as... Uh, Distinguishable. ...from one to another. But this is definitely one that I thought raised, uh, raised above the tops of the others. There, there, those in New England, I've already said, have ruined me for most other beers uh, in that same style. Except for Southern Tears New School IPA, which is not quite... It's a tropical. It's, it's a, a tropical, tropical IPA. IPA, but it's it comes at a price point and it's available right regularly enough where it can be in my fridge filler, where I'm like, oh, I want a beer. Oh, I can drink this on a Tuesday night and not feel like I'm wasting an opportunity to share it with friends. It's that like great tasting available beer that I can just go to my fridge, crack one open. And then end up cracking three open because they're so easy to drink. And they're, uh, what, 6% ABV, so it's not that horrible to drink drink three on a weekday. But, you know, maybe I should talk to somebody about that problem. I don't know. <laughs> they go down too easy. They go down so, and it's delicious. It's, it's tropical and it has all those notes. Chris? Uh, my number three, and these are going to just be like the three beers that I had for the first time this year. So I'm not counting in things that I've had previously. Mm -hmm. uh, but my number three beer is the Barrel Aged 1050 uh, Imperial Stout Aged in Bourbon Barrels from Oscar Blues. Uh, I had this for your birthday. Or technically yeah. your birthday, because I had it on mm -hmm. May 4th. Um, I it bought was, it for the table. It was really good. I appreciated it. Oh, a lot of my top beers this year were actually Bourbon Barrel Aged ones. <laughs> wow. Big boys. Because I, I looked at everything that I had checked mm. into. There's a lot of barrel-aged stuff. We'll do your number two. Uh, my number two is actually from Angry Chair Brewing, which we're heading back to today. I had this one January 7th, 2017. Uh, and this is their Baobas uh, Baltic Porter. 
Mm. Oh, that was good. Which was very good. And I think they still have it, so I'll drink more of that. John? Uh, mine is going to be Blush from uh, McKellar San Diego. This is a raspberry sour brewed with coffee. This is uh, an absolutely delicious beer. Uh, it tastes like a nice, ripe, slightly tart, slightly sweet raspberry. And then it has this great finish of coffee on the back end. And it just is a delight to drink. Uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. If you don't like sours, it's not sour enough or acidic that it'll uh, ruin your palate or turn you off. It really just tastes like this really delicious raspberry. My wife is going to a march, and so she sent me a, pitch, a couple pictures of the sign she's going to hold. So, uh, my number two is also a bourbon-aged beer. That's a weird sign for her to hold. Yeah. <laughs> nobody even read aloud what her sign said? No, nobody cares. No, nobody cares. They, they, John and Kristen care. Nobody else will care. Uh, this is the High Westified Imperial Coffee Stout. This is bourbon barrel-aged, right? Yes. Uh, th- this is a new... Uh, this is from Laguanitas, one of our favorite breweries. Maker mm-hmm. a little something-something, one of my all-time favorite beers. And... You know, this is probably my favorite of that kind of <clears throat> KBS, uh, that line of, like, bourbon Age stouts. Like, if I see this, the Weyerbacher also, it was, uh, this is mood and splitting hairs on this list. Like, at any time, I could be, like, r- rather one over the other. But for whatever reason, I'm, I'm thinking about this Westified Imperial Coffee Stout and being like, yes, that was the one. It was. Or, or it could have been, or it could be Sunday morning. I'm not sure. Uh, the Weyerbacher was uh, a delicious, a delicious uh, barrel-aged beer. Um, the the price point factor on it, twelve ninety nine for a six pack barrel-aged stout yeah. at ten percent, eleven percent. You couldn't beat it. Now the fact that you could get it at such a great price, um, I think, really delivers on this because mm-hmm. the Weyerbacher is priced higher and is only a four, and a four pack. pack. Yeah. But those are still good, and I still have those. And they're, uh, we m- recently moved the studios over to John's house, and uh, I moved all the beer from the beer cellar that was we were sh- saving for the show. And I would never go over to that corner of beer because I'm like, well, I can't drink any of that. But I also had some of my stuff that was aging next to it that I could drink, but I never went over there because I didn't want to look at all the great stuff we had and be like, oh, I can't drink any of that. But now that that stuff's gone, and only in my basement is stuff I can drink, I'm like, I should just drink it. I should just drink this now. It's so good. So uh, my, my barrel-age collection aging in my basement is slowly going away, and I think I have one Westified left. And it makes me sad that I only have the one. That I'm also like, I should just drink it. You should just drink it. Enjoy <laughs> why, it. Why, is, why are you holding on to it? Just drink it. If you're holding on to it for yourself, you can't let yourself down by... Yeah, but I also like it's not a special occasion. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Fall. A Tuesday you get through the day can be special. Yeah, it's true. So uh, I drank my entire bottle of CBS on Friday night because I was like, I'm home. I'm on vacation. But you were on vacation. Yeah, yeah. That's that's reason enough. You had friends coming into town. CBS very good this year. Now my number one beer though. Ooh, what is your number one? Uh, from Schoferhofer, I have the Grotafel Pomegranate. Mm. Um, this was their Caitlin says thumbs down I love this one This is my favorite beer I had this year uh, 
was able to get it at the Epcot Food and Wine Festival. I had it multiple times there. I drank a lot of little cups of it. What's your number one beer? I don't know. I didn't prepare. What's my number uh, one, John? I don't, uh, Chris didn't finish talking about no, it. No, but I, I love this beer. I wish I could find it all the time there. Um, I love just the regular yeah. uh, grapefruit one. But you know what? I'll I'll take this as a special occasion beer. Uh, it's the highest beer I had this year that I haven't had previously, like Creme Brulee, but I put it at a 4.75. I thought this beer was good. Uh, I, I it's would a great it. front porch, like nice hot yeah. summer day, walking around a theme park. AKA every it day. Wasn't, it wasn't too sweet. It wasn't too sour. It was a nice drinking beer. I haven't had it. Um, I think my number one is uh, because these beers have become more readily available for me to try all their different ones. But the one that stands out and the one that I constantly go back to talking about is Weird and Gilly from... Uh, is yours is yeah. two? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and not wrench. I was thinking your number one was going to be I wrench. Was, uh, num- wrench is probably my number. It's probably my number four. Because you but, talked wrench up as soon as you had it. We're like, gonna uh, we're gonna start carrying that brewery too. So mm. we will be carrying wrench. Uh, but this is from Single Cut Brewery. Uh, if you've been listening for the last year, you've heard Paul and I review their almost all of their beers. And this is just a great tasting IPA. Um, mm. Just really, really phenomenal. Chris, I brought you a double version of it. Oh. Um, it's the one called like Cold and Freezing. Uh, but this one is uh, just a delicious, delicious, juicy beer. And um, I can't wait to have it again. Yeah, it, it is something that we saw it out at Pizza Plant with the one night, and we're like, well, I got to get that. Yeah. Like, it's on, if it's on tap someplace, I got to get it. Like, there's no questions about it. So... That's why it's my number one. It is a very special beer. It is something that you have to... It's a special beer that you have to drink fresh, so I don't feel so bad when I'm like, I should just drink it. So I do. And it's gone. Like, and But it's it comes in that nice pound size. I love the pound size. The, the tall boy cans. The, the tall boy cans. 16-ounce cans. This year has been the year of tall boy cans, and I've just been enjoying those, uh, those New England-style IPAs and those tall boys. They're... This is so, crushable doubles. It, mm-hmm. That's what really is is the big. And thing. I have one, and I feel pretty darn good. And I'm like, okay, that was enough. I'm good. I don't need to have three like the new school IPAs. So I only had one, but it was like having two. And then when you throw the APV in there, it's like you had four. But you know, it's just one. <laughs> Present wife, you yes. got you got your top three of the year. I do. Wow. A little Actually, extra feature for people. Yeah, because. I'm like, you guys are all talking about just kind of two types of beer for the most part. I didn't really drink too many uh, sours. I talked about a sour. Okay. Well, my number three would be from Dogfish Head, the Sea Quench Ale, because I've been really into sours, and I liked that Session Sour. It hit the right notes for With me. The, the that lime, like yeah. That lime I and lemon. drink a lot of it, but yeah. Well, it had the sour lime, black limes, and sea salt. It was, kind of, it was nice. It was refreshing. I would say my number uh, two would be McKellar has a That's, raspberry. That was my number two. Oh, I didn't hear. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> was the same, the raspberry yep, coffee right, yep. that you liked. But my number one, I really liked Jack's Abbey, their cranberry Berliner. Yeah. That was great and it refreshing. Was it was dry. They need to have that all year long, and they don't, and it makes me sad. Well, you can get it this summer when it comes back. But it'd be great at Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, you Think can. Of, like, we'll buy some and save it. I know it's great. It's great. So, if you fellow listeners had any top movies that we didn't discuss, top beers that we didn't discuss, writers, artists that we might have missed, please find us over on the Facebook. Find us over on our website. Let us know what they were, and uh, maybe we need to check them out. Or maybe we think they're garbage, and we're going to poo-poo all over them. But not on the radio, just in person with each other. And like, oh, look at that guy. Yeah, we'd never talk down about you. No, that, they, they save it for me. Oh, <laughs> we were making the same joke. All right, I wasn't joking. <laughs> Write us and review us over at iTunes. I haven't seen a new one of those come in in quite a while. Or wherever you listen to us. Yeah. Stitcher, SoundCloud, your other things, PodKicker, Pod Pledge, Pod Person. Pod person, uh, we're yeah. really popular over there. We're <laughs> yeah. the only website. Home of the beef people. 